0: Welcome to the Launch CV podcast, a series of conversations at the intersection of entrepreneurship and tech in the Cedar Valley. I'm your host, Danny Loddick, a tech enthusiast and entrepreneur. As a way to know what's happening in the Cedar Valley, every week I get to sit down with some exceptionally talented people from engineers and researchers to entrepreneurs, investors, and disruptors across the Cedar Valley. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone. Good to have you guys here. So Laura and Alyssa. Yes. I will make sure to not screw up your name. So we'll just jump first before we get started. Uh, we want to ask a question, very personal question to break the ice for the listeners before they even know who you are. What is your favorite pastry to treat yourself to?
1: Is there a backstory, Laura? <laughs> no, no, there's not no backstory.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, I have a sweet tooth, um, but I'm, my go-to is a cinnamon roll. Yeah,
2: traditional.
0: Heavy frosting? Yes, like, okay. the
2: more the better. hmm I'm going to say kolaches. That was a, a favorite of my grandma growing up. So she had made uh, apricot kolaches. And they are Can tasty. you
0: describe what a kolache like is? Like a
2: cinnamon roll with jam on top mill with frosting.
0: Hmm. So it's kind of the same answer. Cinnamon roll with jam.
2: Are you hungry?
1: Where'd you come up with that question?
0: I think earlier I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> there's a reason there's peanut butter bites right there.
1: Snacks. Snacks.
0: All right. So Laura, we'll jump to you. So, Laura Hand, founder of Laura Lou Experience Design, which is a customer experience design consultancy that works primarily with hemp and cannabis entrepreneurs. Correct. So, explain more.
2: Yeah. And so, I spent 17 years locally for a a large company. And um, before I had left, we had started a division focused on cannabis community and I had the opportunity of helping with the brand and business development of it and fell in love with the industry when I went to one of the largest trade shows and then in turn what was happening on my family side is that I had lost my brother due to a drug-related heart attack and then two years later lost my dad to brain cancer and being in Iowa it was extremely difficult because when you're doing those Hail Marys of trying to do research and figure out what types of products are going to help or medicine, Um, I had started learning about cannabis and there were very little points of access and education around it. And since then I have heard countless stories of how this plant has helped families and patients through just everything, pain, wellness, keep people alive because of cancer. And so with all of that, I decided to leave and start my own so that I can help female entrepreneurs in this space try to survive to build their brand and help families like mine.
0: So and a mm-hmm. lot of it's focused on the actual experience for the consumer, for their customers on, from everything from meeting the brand, buying from them, becoming a loyal customer, the whole experience of them being a part of that.
2: Mm-hmm. So typically brands will build a product and they market that product, but sometimes they lose sight of who it's really for. And so what I really do is help them figure out their why through building an experience vision figuring out really who those target personas are, and then building out a customer journey map so that whether it's the journey of the website, journey of a travel and tourism experience, um, the experience of a retail experience, they can map out what those different touch points are, all the channels and the tactics, so they're really talking to the right people, providing the right message at the right time to help the people they're trying to serve.
0: And so retail piece and all that. So Alyssa, for you. So Alyssa Gardner.
1: Yeah. So founder,
0: and we'll see if I get your introduction correct. (laughs) Sure. So founder of Farm to Health Organics, which is a family-owned and managed company that produces several premium organic uh, CBD products that you also produce now, the hemp Mm -hmm. as well, um, on the Heritage Family Farm that you guys own. Yeah. So how did you get into all of that?
1: Um, I had a 15-year career in real estate. Um, At the height of my career was a corridor business journal, 40 under 40, um, had a Better Homes and Gardens real estate franchise, agents that worked for me, all the things, right? And um, just got burnt out and decided I didn't want to do that anymore. So at the end of 2018, I walked away from that industry and didn't have a plan B. So um, 2019 looked like watching my chickens and hanging out with my kids <laughs> and taking naps on my trampoline and just kind of figuring out who I wanted to be when I grew up. And uh I had written a blog post on LinkedIn called Rest Over Run, Confessions of a Workaholic, and it really struck a nerve. And I started to get speaking engagements um, and keynote presentation um, opportunities on the topic of rest. Um, got to speak to um, some state conventions and um, things like that. And then on the heels of that um, was 2020. And so um, this conversation of rest um, is kind of just woven in what I do, hemp. Um, fits in that very well because hemp is very calming to the central nervous system and so it's an extension of this conversation of rest that I started in 2019.
0: And so 2020 was the first year you guys with the family farm and everything kind of took off into everything Mm -hmm. you're doing now?
1: Yep. So 2019 I started with the CBD line just because um, going from a high-paced service industry of real estate and being on call all the time to sitting still like i i had a really like a a bout of depression and didn't know what to do with myself and couldn't sleep at night and so i started taking some cbd products to help me finish a train of thought and rest and um so we do live on a heritage farm it's been in the family for 150 years and um just asked my husband if he minded if i grew some hemp and um continued that tradition on our farm so
0: and you guys are down in Rowley, mm-hmm. Iowa? Yep, which... our
1: farm is in Rowley. So we, 2020 was the first year in Iowa that we could legally grow hemp. And so I applied for a license, which was interesting because um, March of 2020 was like the, the beginning of COVID, like for real. And the uh, licensing and application process happened during that time. And so like uh, we had to get a FBI background check and there was no place doing fingerprints at that time because <laughs> everything was closed. And so um, it was interesting first year for sure.
0: Yeah. And with you guys specifically, so first of all, I wanted to clarify for, even though we're all Iowans and we all know where every single city in Iowa is, (laughs) at least when we talk to each other. So Raleigh is just south of Independence? Yes. Buchanan County Mm -hmm. area? Yes. Okay. Um, So your store, you have a retail store, which is in Cedar Rapids? Mm
1: -hmm. I'm in the um, CSPS building in the Nubo district, right across the street from the Nubo market. Um, And then we wholesale at several locations at, like, um, yoga studios and chiropractor offices and boutiques and stuff like that.
0: Yep. So both of you are in the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. What have been some of the biggest? Because I feel like for a lot of people outside of the cannabis industry, especially in Midwest and Iowa, where it's not really been a conversational piece for a long time, I think a lot of people still wonder, like, is it legal? Is CBD legal? What are all the differences? what do you guys see as what is the cannabis industry? I think for a lot of us, it's just not something we have interacted with a lot to this point.
2: Yeah, I guess to me, the cannabis industry, it's, it's a plant. It's a healing plant that, that helps your mind, body, and soul. And so it really roots you to the earth and kind of reminds you of being natural and being present. And, um, it's, it has so many different opportunities. And so some of the, the making of the plant, there are, you know if you think about like the lavender plant, it has one terpene and kind of one use. So a lot of times it's a soothing effect. Whereas in cannabis, there are now um, plenty of pieces of research that shows there are hundreds if not thousands variation of the plant in which it has multiple uses. And so really it's a plant that can help a lot of people depending on what they're needing. And it's not necessarily if they're um, deficient in something, maybe needing sleep or helping with anxiety, helping with pain. It could just be something that helps them with their wellness journey to, to stay healthy. It's also um, another role I play is I'm the marketing director for the Cannabis Travel Association International. And, and so they focus on cannabis travel and tourism and then marrying that with the traditional tourism industry. And so one thing that they talk a lot about is set and setting. So it's your mindset and the setting that you're in can affect how that plant affects you when you're using it. And so it's being used in yoga, meditation, going out and enjoying nature through a hike, being able to infuse it into different meals, being able to use it for massages like through CBD massage. So it has so many different opportunities and uses. The fact that you
0: bring up the tourism piece of it It seems like a lot of times I think people hear cannabis and they just think the plant and the consumption of things derived Mm -hmm. from the plant. But there's a huge (coughs) industry between tourism, between experiences, I believe you guys are working on.
1: Yeah, we do some Canada tourism and camping and experiences because we want to educate and there's nothing better than, you know, pulling in your RV or setting up a tent and actually seeing a hemp field, talking to a hemp farmer and getting your education right from the source. So... But in addition to even consumption, there's, you know, anything made out of plastic can be made out of yeah, hemp and same same with wood, you know. And so there's different industries that are, um, you have to look at, you always have to follow the money. You know, yeah. there's, there's reasons why this isn't just an open door.
2: It's because there's, um, the hemp plant is very threatening to multiple industries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, for instance, hempcrete is a, a, is a great product. And so I'm working with a woman in Hawaii, that is building biodomes out of hempcrete and so that it, because it's fire-resistant, bug-proof. bug-proof, it helps keep in your your heat or your, your cool. And, you know, she's using that as a great affordable way to provide unique experiences for the people that come and visit her in Hawaii.
0: What are the things that you see from consumers, of people looking to get into the hemp industry, or excuse me, the cannabis industry, what are the biggest misconceptions? What are the things people typically gravitate to?
2: Mm. Well, there's lots of things. Unfortunately, we've had many, almost a, a century of of marketing in one direction when there's a lot of people that are trying to sway us to the other side and kind of just show really what this plant is about and the opportunities and if it's right for you. Um, I would say one of those things is that A lot of people still will walk into a dispensary and ask what has the most THC, which is the psychoactive uh, component of the plant, and are asking for sativa or indica when a lot of that is not even terms that are used anymore by those that um, grow the plant, sell the plant. It's, It's really about the overall makeup of the plant and what it can do to help you with your endocannabinoid system. Which is an internal system that has also had not has not had very much research done in the medical realm. Because
1: it was only discovered in the last sixty years. So yeah. the doctor um, that discovered it is still alive. So it's it's in <laughs> infancy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Raphael Doctor Raphael Meshulam from the um, Hebrew University in Israel. So founder of that and still alive and well and educating every day. Mm-hmm.
0: And for both of you doing business in the cannabis industry, especially within Iowa, are there burns not burns, barriers, things that you guys have difficulties with trying to navigate either the legal perceptions of it in Iowa? Because I know that is still, there's been a lot of questions when first some of the CBD stores were opening up are they even legal? Are they able to sell? And I think a lot of the business owners were told they were legal, opened up, and then were told they were illegal, and then were wondering where they were at. Have you guys, for the type of work you've done, had to navigate some of those preconceptions or the legal all aspects it. around? <laughs> yes, <now? laughs> all of yes. it. Yes, yes.
1: Period. <laughs> um, on the farming side of things, there still isn't um, extraction and production in Iowa, and so I was now issued licenses so that you can grow, but they want it out of Iowa as soon as possible. They want you to extract in any other state, and they want you to. Um, produce your products in any other state. And so um, we're not supporting our Iowa farmers in this industry, which is indicative by the fact that there was 85 licensees in 2020 and only 30 of us came back for a year two. <laughs> so um, we're going the wrong direction.
0: What were the biggest reasons them didn't come back?
1: Um, right now, uh, it, it's difficult. So you have to navigate both the growing side of things but then the extraction and processing and so a lot of farmers and i'm from a farm family too like we also grow corn and soybeans and hay and um oats and other commodities but usually you can just get in a tractor and plant those things and combine those things and once that's you can put it in a semi and haul haul it down to cargill and you have a contract on it and those just aren't realities in the cannabis industry and so um, nationwide you just see farmers on um, biomass from previous years that don't have a place for it to go so I'm um, my own buyer in (laughs) essence. And so that's why it works for me. I'm not sure the other 30 licensees that came back, what their process is. I can just speak to my own and why I came back.
0: Mm -hmm. Are you guys able to use your own Mm -hmm. produced hemp, Mm -hmm. but you just can't? I just can't
1: extract it in Iowa or uh, produce it. And and it's possible that, so there wasn't any extractors or producers in Iowa. And I don't see extractors and producers running to Iowa to want to do business here when we're doing less licensees and growers. Like it doesn't make sense if it was booming. And if we were doubling and tripling the number of growers every year, people would come here to open those type of businesses, but that's just not the case.
0: Cause what's the total size of the cannabis industry in terms of, I know it's a hard thing to put dollar amount around. Cause are you talking the tourism piece, the production right. piece?
1: Just on the CBD piece alone by 2023, it'll be over 20 billion. So Is that us. Yeah. Yep. So, and that's just, one so there's different compounds in the cannabis plant um, all they're called um, cannabinoids CBD is just one of them there's over a hundred different identified cannabinoids um, THC CBD CBG CBN those are like the most popular ones right now but we're just scratching the surface so if that 20 billion is just in one of those like you know it's crazy Mm -hmm. where this is going
0: so how about on the tourism side, with a lot of the companies you're working with, these aren't just tourism, it seems like, but what are some of the the scope of how much opportunity is coming up around you know, the ancillary services around cannabis?
2: Well, if you think about any type of market, uh, so for instance, like most of my clients are coastal. So if you think of like San Francisco, San Diego, um, the profile of the buyer that loves to travel, they're also very much a foodie or into wine as well. So if you think about that, when that person travels to a new destination, you know, they're looking for great places to eat. They're looking for nature to be able to um, experience. They're looking for just just different things to pair with cannabis. And, uh, and so they're willing to spend for those experiences. So there's kind of two different types of travelers. There's obviously the ones that um, already know of cannabis and know of how that could enhance their experience but it's also a huge opportunity for the canicurious. So the canicurious, they're familiar with travel and they like things that they are familiar with plus something they're not. So when it comes to travel and tourism, they know where to go, they know the places they wanna see, but then they are um, anxious or excited to be able to pair that with cannabis to see how it pluses those experiences. Mm-hmm. And so it's a great way for them to be guided through an educational process For instance, a lot of our members are tour operators. So in the Emerald Triangle in in California, what they'll do is they take you from a farm, so you know from like seed to sale, how it's grown, their practices, why they're so um, passionate about the plant and how it grows in the soil and how it uses moon cycles, like all the things. And then they'll take you to a dispensary to show you different types of products and guide you through all of the questions that a lot of people have have had the stigma of not knowing what to ask. They don't want to feel stupid mm-hmm. and yep. they may have some type of ailment or just something that's bothering them that they're really afraid to ask for help on. And so these types of tours are so important because it's a safe place and fun where people in this shared experience can get their questions answered, feel safe, be able to experience a plant in multiple different ways, and then be able to go back and say, this is why I want to use continually for my, well, my wellness journey.
0: Well, it does seem within the industry, there's an incredible amount of pride in the production and everything from farm to table type feeling of this is where it was made. This is what it was the process it went through. I know for your guys, this, um, CBD, you know, it's processed seven times or goes through seven Mm -hmm. different checks. Yeah. There's a lot of pride around, Mm -hmm. it seems, the entire industry. And
1: transparency, there needs to be because in the beginning, um, there was too much fear around CBD because it was a cannabis-based product. And now I feel that the pendulum has swung the other direction where people aren't afraid enough. And so I educate people on, you know, third-party testing and you know what are they testing for pesticides and heavy metals and things like that and and THC if, if they want a THC free product you know if they have to pass the drug test for work or something like that but also uh, you know testing for CBD because it's one thing to say you're getting a 1500 milligram bottle but how do you know that that's actually what's in there and so um, there's people in the industry that are greedy and are just here for to, to make a buck but then to your point, it's the the people that have the heart and the passion to educate, you know, seed to bottle about what's going on, having transparency.
2: And I guess I'll jump in at the question to Alyssa. So, how would you inform a consumer on the difference between gas station CBD and yours? There, I just tell the story like there's uh, social media um
1: you know instagram and facebook pages and there's a ton of transparency i go live from my field from the day we planted last year our planting this year we invite um iowa state university is doing some um research at our um, field as well. So there's so much transparency. We get asked a lot, do you, do you keep people out? Do you have tall fences? And we're like, you know, we, we really take the opposite approach. Like we invite people. And when you have that open door policy, you don't have to worry about, you know, people stealing from you or things like that.
0: So is it similar to almost any other produce where you can get the very industrialized mass produced made for a quantity type of stuff and the, cause now you guys are organic. So can you get that versus the very refined, you know, raised organically, no pesticides? Is there a certain market that you guys see that's kind of taken hold more?
2: I know there's definitely a struggle between those that grow outdoors versus using, like, grow houses or grow facilities just because those that are kind of original to the plant believed that having that that sun grow the plant outside is just a completely different makeup than what you're consuming if it's grown in a house. Mm-hmm. Yep, there's pros and cons to both, but I'm an earthy hippie, and so <laughs> I prefer the sunlight
1: and the fresh air and and um, the birds sing into it.
2: <laughs> and there's a couple things like the certificate after it being tested. Mm-hmm. So there's some certain things that you can look at on the bottle of any type of product to find out if it has been tested, because unfortunately, like Alyssa said, there's a lot of brands out there that don't have the amount of CBD as promised. And so there are you know certain things that consumers can do to educate themselves as to what CBD is, what is in that bottle, um, by looking at some of those results to find out if it's clearly stated that the amount that's stated is in the product.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, the FDA is looking
1: at this, and obviously it's going to be regulated soon, sooner than later. And so uh, consumers will at that time have a, a point of reference and a um, some accountability through the FDA. We're not there yet, but they're definitely, it's definitely on their radar. And then, um, just this past couple weeks, um, the bill went to, uh, the Senate to legalize, uh, marijuana nationwide. Federally. Yeah, yeah, federally. Yeah. So there's 18 states already that have, um, done that at the state level. And so, um, we're, we're in some really interesting times. Yeah, because so if they cool were stuff. to
0: legalize it federally, can states still criminalize it? Or once it's federally allowed,
1: well,
2: does it proceed? Well, to my knowledge, the law is to decriminalize and remove it from a scheduled substance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: Because yeah. 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 so. I know there's a lot of history behind even the criminalization piece, mm-hmm. and you know, what do you do to address that once it's been decriminalized Do you know is there any trends on Are they looking to do anything for people who have been charged with offenses based on criminalization? Mm -hmm.
2: They would expunge the records. There's currently forty thousand people in jail that were charged on you know non-violent crimes associated with cannabis, and so um, part of that bill was to expunge it. Look at those records and expunge those that that fit that criteria.
0: Okay, is that the forty thousand? Is that a federal number? federally speaking across mm-hmm. the country. Okay. Correct. Yep. Is there any, th- with the state versus federal piece, have the regulations, are they still state by state in, st- in terms of things like FDA? Do mm-hmm. states have certain reporting requirements when they have production for them? Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, reporting for state taxes. And if you're doing inter-commerce between state lines and things like that. So it will be nice once it's regulated coast to coast, because, um, I, I, personally have missed an opportunity recently because of the gray area. So,
0: yeah. So what are the biggest opportunities that you guys see coming up within the cannabis industry? Um, and I know that's a hard question cause the fact that it's even becoming legalized so it can even be worked on mm-hmm. means a big opportunity, but I think outside of just the production of it and the production of the hemp, what are the other opportunities you guys see coming up the trends within the industry that other people can kind of jump into. Cause I think the first assumption is, Oh, growing it. Okay. Well, there's an entire industry beyond just that piece of it. Mm-hmm. So what are the biggest opportunities you guys see coming up?
1: I'm going to continue doing some Canada tourism once it's more, um, just accepted. I, I'm dipping my toe in that right now with camping. Uh, our properties listed on, um, three different travel websites, Airbnb and hip camp and, um, harvest host and, um, just more um, education like that. Um, we're going to do a an event with Cedar Ridge Distillery um, this fall, um, just doing some collaborations like that. I, I can't speak to, there's, there's just so many different opportunities coming up. M- me personally, it looks like more tourism, more education, um, more talking about rest. And um, you would think with a pandemic that we just went through and everyone had to work from home that we should be well rested because we weren't, <laughs> you know, commuting and driving. And, and actually, um, the, the trend that we saw there is that um, employ, employers' um, medical expenses were actually going through the roof because their um, workforce was taking more insulin or more... Um, antidepressants and things like that to get them through the pandemic. And so just, I'm going to continue educating on this is a plant based um, alternative to the first pharmaceutical options and your liver knows what to do with it um, and it knows how to break it down. And if this will help the workforce rest and, um, be better productive workers when they go back to work, cause they're going to be sleeping at night and things like that. And so, um, industries and uh, larger employers are listening to that, where maybe even 18 months ago, it wasn't on their radar.
2: I would say there's still a huge opportunity around education um, from every aspect. And so, uh, for instance, in the medical community, there are a lot of nurses and doctors going back to school and learning specifically about the endocannabinoid system and how this can help in so many ways so that they are not their go-to is not opioids. Mm-hmm. And so that would be a, a huge mm-hmm. personal win for me is if we could not have that be the very first thing that's prescribed to children, to adults, for any type of ailment.
0: So what's that looking like, the introduction of this as a real piece of medical practice?
2: From what I have learned, is that it's because it's not federally legal, it's not something that can be talked to from a, in the medical community long, like across the board. So it's people taking it on their own, going to the side and trying to learn on their own, taking on additional insurance because of that, um, the risk. And so it's very uh, solo right now. And so um, for instance, like Clubhouse, an app, um, that's a shared community where all of these physicians and, and uh, nurses can get together and start talking about how they've been treating patients. So, when we're able to start talking about it on a you know a national level, is when some of those conversations can start really making some headway. Yeah, there's a lot of research being done. A lot of people just doing their own personal research with case studies. I think Mara Gordon is one of the leading women that has helped so many children with cancer. And so she has had families opt into these clinical research studies on her own to be able to just start providing some research because we don't have anything on the books for so many decades.
0: Because it seems like a lot of the first introductions people have to CBD as a medical use has been, it seems, cancer treatments. Because that was, I think, one of the big publicized things in Iowa, was that was one of the big use cases they were trying to at That least...
1: and epilepsy. I mean, if you're, yeah.
0: that's huge as well. But it seems across Protism. the board, yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of uses. Mm hmm seems
1: there's interest but to Laura's point like if you go on pubmed.gov and look at the um, National Library of um, which I recommend people doing because all of those are peer-reviewed studies so you can't anybody can write a blog right like there's for one blog to say this you can find ten more that say the opposite but those are peer-reviewed and within the last five years Cause prior to that, you couldn't do the research, but now there's so much coming to the table. And so, um, because we can't give medical advice, um, cause it's not FDA, the FDA won't let us, I point people to the pubmed.gov cause that's government database. So they can do their own research. They can put in CBD and whatever, you know, arthritis or whatever they're struggling with so that they can see the research being done on it and make that educated decision.
0: Cause I would ask for you guys, you know, on behalf of the podcast, we are not officially advocating for the use of anything right. particular or not the use of it, it's really for the education piece. Yep. What would you guys recommend for someone who hasn't really had a lot of background or a chance to experience or learn about what all the cannabis industry is and the uses and applications, the science behind it? What are some of the best go-to sources to kind of first start looking into that?
1: You can never get to it all because there's a lot. and But I would say be picky about who the voices are that you are listening to because there's just there's so many and they're conflicting there's still a lot of gray area so um pubmed.gov i believe is a good one for me yeah project
2: cbd is a good one um even
1: research on dr Raphael michule like i said he's the founder and doctor father of cbd supplementation and um, discovered the endocannabinoid
2: system so Yeah. Uh, Bonnie Goldstein. So she wrote Cannabis is Medicine. So she's a a doctor that has gone through and and publicized a book that talks through the entire plant, the biology of it, as well as how it interacts with your system and how um, she has different chapters on um, Alzheimer's to cancer and how it can interact with your system just to provide additional education.
0: Mm -hmm. And what would you guys recommend for someone interested in cannabis as an industry, the business side of it, what's the best way to even get a toe into the industry to start who were the connections the groups to get involved with because um, i feel like there is such a hurdle to even learning about it how did you guys first get into it and what's the, your recommendations
2: Ooh, it's been an interesting industry to try to be connected with um unfortunately because it being uh, an unregulated market for so long there's a lot of trust issues. And so um, it's a very tight knit community. And so it it's proving your story. It's proving why you do what you do. Uh, most conversations lead with what's your why? Why mm-hmm. are you in this? The people you want to be listening the, to anyway. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And but overall they're a very welcoming community. They're open to asking questions and answering however they can and making those connections. Um, there's some organizations like the National Cannabis Um, business association, you know, some of those higher level ones. But I've found personally that doing like virtual networking and LinkedIn is one of the only platforms that allows free speech on cannabis. So for those in the business side, like there's just a plethora of people I've been Mm -hmm. able to connect with and learn from and in turn be able to connect with and, and grow our partnerships together. Yep, I'm on um,
1: the Midwest Hemp Council, so that was a good source for me, especially since in Iowa there was no mentors, like there was nobody who did it before, because <laughs> yeah. nobody did it before. <laughs> they did a hundred years ago, but nobody now. And so um, Midwest Hemp Council is a good connection for like Indiana, Illinois, um, Ohio growers, um, Kentucky things like that. So that was a good resource
2: for me. And Clubhouse, I, I I've talked about the app quite a few times, but during you know the pandemic, that was an app that allowed all of these people to finally come together in one space and be able to talk. So I've made hundreds of connections through that, and and especially in the Midwest. So now I've come really, really close with the hemp community in Minnesota. They have a really strong presence. And just learning from them, um, same with Missouri. Since then, connected with several folks that are building consumption lounges for patients and safe places for them to become educated and do activities like we need to grow here in Iowa because you've got two unicorns
1: in this room right now. <laughs> We're trying.
2: We've we've been scheming. Alyssa and I have these plans.
0: So I thought about introducing you as trailblazers in the <laughs> Iowa cannabis industry, which I know you, you'd probably be humble enough to be like, no, no. But also, there's not a lot of people doing anything with it because of...
1: We were instant friends just because of the <laughs> commonality and weirdness of it. But I do happen to like Laura now. Yeah. <laughs> that helps. But mm-hmm. at first it was just like, you're a female in the cannabis industry? Like, that's so weird. <laughs> and he live friends. 45 minutes away.
0: Because so. did you guys meet through a networking event, a networking group?
2: A mutual Sunday friend weekend? had suggested that we reach out to each other. I'm like, hey, I know somebody just as weird as you. You should know her. <laughs> I don't believe it was just like that. Yeah. It was just
1: like that. <laughs> Anytime
0: a friend reaches out and says, I know someone weird that you should, you should meet.
1: know, it's usually a good connection. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, depending on the connotation when they say weird. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it was under mm-hmm.
2: the cannabis umbrella. So,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. Otherwise, like, we have, and she probably does too, but I have a lot of people that reach out asking for guidance within Iowa. I've got this thing or I've got depression or I've, I've got, I have I've know a friend or my mother. A lot of it's... Um, For somebody else. Yeah, caregivers that are trying to think about their parents' wealth, uh, health, wellness. Yep. And they just say, where do I go? Can I get product in Iowa? And it's, it's very disheartening to say that we have limited options.
0: Because it does still seem pretty few and far between. Mm-hmm. Foreign places where, especially like you guys, you can go that have science backed research on the products that have all the, the backing on, you know, it's been through seven different Mm -hmm. stages of processing. And, um, so you mentioned LinkedIn being the only platform that you could really market through or reach out through. Is there still a lot of, in terms of marketing regulation around some Mm -hmm. of the social media channels and how, if you have a Mm -hmm. cannabis based business or industry, how you even Mm -hmm. reach out to people?
2: And that's why I do what I do, because brand strategy in the traditional sense of marketing, there are so many avenues of channels and tactics. In cannabis, mm, it's not the case. N- it's zero. <laughs> like, it, you have to be very crafty, which I love creative constraints. I think that's where you get to really shine. Um, but where the opportunity comes from is education, thought leadership, telling your story, which we all know as brand marketers is very important to do. But it's it's crucial mm-hmm. for the people that are trying to survive in this industry and and continue to grow, and so a lot of what we do is is promote talking about the stories of the people that you're serving because you can't say claims, um, you can't really talk about the product at all. So it's <laughs> this nebulous thing of like, here's something we have that may <laughs> um, be good. I have this
0: bottle to sell you. Believe
2: me, which it's makes good. it sketchy. Which yeah,
1: is the opposite effect. But back to your like hurdles i instagram took down my iowa hemp instagram account facebook kicked me off of ads manager after a 15 year career in real estate and spending tens of thousands of dollars through facebook ads i've been kicked off um i can't bank in iowa i I bank out of state because nobody would give me a bank account and um merchant processing is super difficult one uh, will allow this product but not these two uh, you know or then you find a new merchant process with that allow those two but not one other product so there's just like and
2: the next day the rules can change again so um, yes it's sometimes by county sometimes by state (laughs) and so those are the most common questions on any type of community forum is how can I do any type of payment merchant provider and how do I market And, um, and I would say even just female entrepreneurs have the added on top of that is just the funding to you know to, you can't go to a bank and get a loan yep mm-hmm. and so it's incredibly I'm, tough i'm self-funded yeah i don't mm-hmm. have any loans or anything it's all been on my own mm-hmm. yeah it's friends and family raises mm-hmm. and and then and that's incredibly tough for females to do is to be able to ask for that type of support and help um and so you know that's why i do what i do is because. We have to get better at being able to support each other and provide the the tools and resources and connections to be able to help these female entrepreneurs grow.
0: So because what does the capital industry around cannabis look like, the venture capital piece? Is there money out there, or is it really geared towards? There is,
2: but it's a lot of times allocated to their friends, and so depending on their circles, it's not going to get down to the people that... Could you really use it? You two here in Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing well with what I
1: have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I take what I have and reinvest it and it's growing. So it's going the right direction. And to grow a, a brand new business launched during the pandemic and have it still surviving and thriving on the other side, I'm, I'm blessed. So.
2: And Alyssa's got some really great things going on as well. So she has different concerts touring through the space and allowing people to come to the, the farm and check it out all to reinvest in this cute little event space that she's going to be building at some point to be able to allow for more workshops and people coming in so it really is like a majestic beautiful place that people should visit
0: because i was just going to ask what is the goal future term for what you're doing with uh farm to health organic and
1: it's co- to continue to use the land that we've been given and the farmland and to tell the story, the agrarian side of things. We're not growing in our basement or in our closet. Like, three generations, my, my kids were out there helping us plant and my 75-year-old father-in-law and, you know, everything in between. And so, and
0: still the rolling hills of Iowa with the sunset still, in the background. Right? Yeah,
1: and, and that's what you're going to see on our social media that is still up and not taking down. <laughs> end, <so. laughs>
0: and does Facebook have a hard cutoff on anything? cannabis related or is it again a gray area they allow some things and then sometimes you, you say the wrong the word thing hemp, and they...
1: but you can't say cannabis or you can't say cbd so then <laughs> there's no there's no promotional advertising then yep which was what i was used to using in my previous industry so it's definitely made me think outside the box so the hemp tours the camping on our farm um Harvest Host has been a great platform for us because with that, it's it's a lot of wineries across the country, and so we're one of the few um, hemp farmers on there. And with that platform, you don't pay for camping. You buy something from, like you buy a bottle of wine, or in this case, they buy a CBD from me. And so that's helped me grow nationally. I ship all, of, all over the country now, and it's a lot of people that have stopped at the farm, met us, saw the hemp field, and started to be a project user.
0: Because I know you have your retail store. How much of mm-hmm. your sales are actual in-person retail here versus national global sales?
1: Most of mine comes from e-commerce and that's how I've designed it. I'm um, growing the e-commerce platform um, and also the wholesale side of things too. So working smarter, not harder, harder, you know, (laughs) just (laughs) duplicating myself.
0: Yep. And Laura, how about for you with Laura Lude design? What's the, because it seems like when you started in, it's such a new industry that there was just opportunity. What are you kind of seeing as the areas you're getting the most traction with?
2: Well, I originally started very high level that I would be doing general customer experience design of mapping out different experiences and um, putting different milestones and KPIs to things and and I've quickly realized that a lot of the people I work with are cause-driven but don't yet have the business acumen and the marketing acumen understand what I'm saying so I've really had to simplify what I talk about
0: <laughs> for those that want Alyssa just raised
2: her hand. <laughs> which is good because mm-hmm. I that's part of my customer discovery mm-hmm. um and so I've I've started really small and in figuring out where they're at and then bringing in my expertise whether it's tech brand strategy marketing thought leadership to create referrals referrals mm-hmm. yep connections for sure I love that um and so it's it's developing workshops that are usually in-person, very concentrated to get them focused and bring their team together to help build that culture around what customer experience design is, and then giving them tangible materials after that they can reference as a team and continue to build what their business plan is.
0: Yeah. And mentioning connections, what are some of the big conferences, the big groups to get involved with? What are some of the biggest collection points of a lot of the industry?
2: Well, I mean, there's traditional things like the Emerald Cup, which is a competition for cannabis growers. There's MJ BizCon, which is a large is con- con- convergence of both the ancillary B2B as well as the, the consumers um, that go to that, and that's usually like 60,000 people in October. Um, otherwise, i am been quickly overwhelmed with the
1: Thousands mm-hmm. of, of conferences, you conferences go to. that you mm-hmm. can
2: go to. There's a lot of, um, well, I, to the point of female entrepreneurs, I have been elated to see the amount of women groups that have been built over years. And so we belong uh, to many of them, like Women Empowered in Cannabis. It's a great community group of just stellar professional women that are trying to bring this community together to help either give advice or take advice. And so, um, there are a lot of groups that you can reach out to. The Midwest Hemp Council is the one that I
1: gravitated towards. And I, I delete a lot of those emails, honestly, that come in because it is overwhelming and I want to be laser focused on who I listen to. So I'm really picky there. So,
0: yeah, um, I imagine there's a lot of voices out there. There's a
1: lot of voices. And I hear from farmers too. Um, you know, these outside companies will come from Colorado or Florida or California and like... Talk to these Iowa farmers, get them to come do a meeting or something and get them to invest. And, you know, I know a group of them that plowed under 34 acres of the 40 that they planted. And so it's just like they're overpromised and underdelivered. And, um, yeah, so you really have to be careful who you're listening to.
0: Yeah. And on that note, quick, because I have a lot of farming in my family, Mm -hmm. um, my girlfriend's family, all around we're in Iowa. What would be your recommendations to farmers looking to get into um the hemp production side on what are the best practices, what things to avoid,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how to kind of look into it safely?
1: I would uh consider a membership to the Midwest Hemp Council just because there's um good connections and there's weekly uh conversations that you can join. Um in Iowa. There's only 30 of us that came back for a year two, so in my opinion, there's only 30 people that are qualified to even give advice on growing hemp in Iowa.
0: <laughs> and you're one of them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send everyone your way. Sounds good. Yeah, there's a few farmers <laughs> in Iowa. If you don't mind fielding all their calls. <laughs>
1: I'm happy to help.
2: And it'd be great to get to a point that we can celebrate more around it. Like uh, Minnesota has a couple different hemp fests coming up where it's just a celebration of the plant and bringing different ingredients and, and mm-hmm. products together um, and uses. Um, you know, I we have a long way to go, but that's all opportunity.
0: A lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you guys for coming. I have about 30 other things that <laughs> I was thinking I could ask about, dive into, but I did realize I'll probably have to ask your advice on, even when I post this podcast, since it's posted on Facebook, <laughs> I might need your advice on how, to post How the post it without it? What with
1: the header reads? Yeah, what the header <laughs>
0: reads. So thank you guys for coming on. Um, are there any last? Usually one of the last questions I ask is: Are there any convergences that you're seeing in the industry around tech um, with cannabis? Things that other people not in the industry might not really have a chance to see. Is there anything coming up within the industry that you guys think is a major opportunity, or things that you know maybe are ten years down the road? but that you're kind of seeing in the back of your head that could be something big.
2: I guess I would give the words of wisdom of most people I talk to that are outside the industry think they have a software, a service that could be directly brought in and used for cannabis. And that's not always the case. It's very, it's it's crucial that they are learning about the community first, stepping in their shoes, talking to people, and then deciding if that product is right and tweaking it so that it is actually customized to this community because it is different, it has its nuances, Um, it's complex, it's super complex and so for those that are just believing that they have something that can directly come in and solve all Mm -hmm. the problems, it just can't and they a lot of times get very frustrated. And so you need to do the work of, of building your community. So frustrating. Telling your story. But I've been
1: over-promised and under-delivered so many times. On mm-hmm. well, tech-based a lot of, products? Or? Um, most recently, yeah. yeah. Uh, advertising company that didn't follow through. And also, even just yesterday, I got a phone call from somebody trying to get me to grow not for oil but for fiber. And it was somebody putting together a database and had no contract. I'm like, you're completely wasting my time and other people's time. I'm like... Call me when you have something, but so
0: they were calling to ask you to produce for the fiber version of the plants use.
1: But had no end to be user, able to offer like, it
0: as a supplier, but yeah. having no customers, yet. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, don't, don't waste my time, <laughs> you know. So yeah.
1: To to Laura's point, we the ones that are professional and in the industry know what they're talking about. We'll sniff that out in a second. So.
0: So have a friend who's a professional.
1: <laughs> Get some advice. Yeah, yeah ask. or sit in the background of clubhouse, like just be Learn. a fly on the wall and educate yourself, and that that would be the same with any industry. You don't just
2: barge into a room and pretend like you have a seat at the table. Yeah, and it's a it's a long term game, and not even a game. It's just it's for those that are in it for the next couple of years to try to make money and get out. Again, there's a very large BS detector in this community and so you can sniff them out pretty quickly and be like you're not in this for the right reasons i'm not going to do business with you yeah
0: hm. all right thank you guys appreciate you coming on
2: thanks Danny.
1: All right. thank you